Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's Pulling Back the Curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. Season three of the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast is brought to you by Samato Coffee. Pull Back the Curtain podcast listeners will receive a 20% discount on your order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit their website at www.sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people? And what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with our rawest opinion, while giving you the straight up facts. That's right, no fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm Press. On this episode, we pull back the curtain on how to pull yourself out of a dark place and much, much more. Press was popping, baby. Well, Jules, I'll tell you this much, man. This has been a hell of a week. And then to top it off, man, before we were supposed to get on here and podcast, I'm leaving the gym, and I come out to the car, and my shit's on flats, bro. Like, my oh, fucking man. passenger tire. I'm like, what? They had two had two big-ass dents in it, bro. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Somebody was hating on you. Slash your tire. I don't know what it was, because it wasn't no slash marks. It just, like, the okay. tire literally, like, caved or something. I don't know if I hit something or it's a defective mm. tire. Because I did kind of think about that. I'm like, you was on this show talking about Rolls Royces and shit, and all of a sudden my damn tire <laughs> fucked up. That's a foul on you, Jules. <laughs> damn. <laughs> damn, I <laughs> Man. So you get the tire on. Did yeah, you look the... at it after, after you took the tire off? Did you look at it and see what? Yep. So I looked at it all the way around. Uh-huh. No slash, no nothing like that. But I think it's something either with the rim of the tire. I mean, the rim mm. of the tire. Or it might just be like that must, That joker was just a bad tire. But guess what? I'm going up there hollering at them tomorrow. I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> Man, I had my share of some flat tires for, and especially like in the in the cold or you don't yeah. have the right tools or or you don't have a spare. Man, my goodness! And, and it's like this nine thirty at night, leaving the gym. So I'm in this gym ass parking lot trying to jack up the damn fucking car. <laughs> I got people Dang. looking at me. You know, of course, nobody offered to help. I'm like, uh, you know what, Press? I was about to ask you. Did anybody offer a hand? Hell no, man. Damn. Hell no. That's that's people for you. It's okay though. Because prayers have that shit. You know what I'm saying? My mama taught me how to change the tire when I was a shorty. I'm good. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I gotta ask you, because I know you guys was at the lake house last week getting everything settled and audience, they had so much fun. They pulled it back and I be back out there again. So how was that drive yeah. out there, man? Prez, you talked about your tire, man. Your boy didn't end up clipping the deer trying to get on out here. Are you serious? Oh, man. I didn't. You know what? I should have my high beams on, Prez. I was just, I was driving. I was the only car out there. I'm cruising. I'm chilling. Wife sleep. Dog sleep. So I'm like, okay. Next thing you know, I hit a turn. And this damn deer in the middle of the e-way. And I'm in the middle lane. So about the time I saw it, I couldn't stop where I was just crashed right into him. So yeah. I tried to swerve. And what this punk did, he jumped back <laughs> in my in the lane. I was I swerved over here. Are you serious? You like, bro, I was trying to help you. I was trying to help your ass up. <laughs> and thank God, thank God. When he hit, I lost control of the car a little bit. Oh. <laughs> that, woke, that woke everybody up in the car, Tim. And uh, 
she started screaming because because oh, obviously just just waking up and you seen the car going. I kept yelling, "It's okay, I got it, I got it." I was able to get control. We pulled over. I got out, looked at it, and I was like, "Damn, nothing was leaking, thank God." But That's the headlight, yeah, yeah, the headlight on the driver's side was smashed. Nothing with the radiator, nothing like that. Nope, the radiator, the no oil, hell, not even antifreeze. So I was, man. I was fortunate, bro. Yeah. Thank God, man. Thank I, I God. Could only, I could only imagine that for her. She's probably in her dead sleep. And then she wake up and see that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll be the laugh, wifey, but I'm just imagining your pain in that situation. <laughs> oh, no, dude. She know what was going on. She just felt the car just rocking and just uh-huh. she saw I didn't have control and I was <laughs> so she just started screaming and oh, no. <laughs> that's why I had to yell I had to yell at her like it's okay I got it I got it but wifey I do gotta tell you just one little tip here in a situation like that where you think hubby had lost control of the car screaming is not gonna be the best thing <laughs> to help out that moment <laughs> oh man right <laughs> And I'm, Just okay, you know, my, boy, my boy Jules, he's got the he got the nerves of steel though. He, he, he was in good hands. Man, I was hot, man. I was hot, and you know we called the police and let them, you know, try to file a report. So they told me that, you know, I told me I hit a deer, and they told me they said, you know what, check with your insurance company first because you might not need to file for, you know, by hitting uh, hitting the an animal. So I'm calling the, you know, the insurance people, and they. They said, no, you don't need a report, but, you know, we'll take your claim. And that's what we have insurance for, pay a little $500 deductible. Now, I don't have no rules for us like you. My little uh, my little Pinto, is, uh, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. We're going to get a fix. <laughs> get a fix. Yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this, this man, this man just went and bought a lake house. He'll be talking about my, my little S, my little, my little escort is going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just glad that y'all good, man, and, and you and you back up there. So what you guys up there doing uh, this weekend, man? Just hanging out, cleaning up, fixing stuff? What you yes. got going on? So there's a shed out back, and it don't have stairs. So I'm out here putting putting stairs on the, on the shed because I need it for insurance purposes. They won't insure the place until I get them, them, them stairs taken care of, the yep. shed taken care of. Yep. So I'm out there Anything doing like that. Anything like that run down, they definitely be on there, don't they? Yeah, so I'm out here doing that and trying to change these motion lights to so we can have some light out there because out here when it's dark, when it's nighttime, it is dark. I at least want to have some some lights out here just kind of illuminate the place a little bit. Did you guys get the cameras up? Not yet. I ordered them. I'm still waiting on them. Okay. I just meant to ask you because I know how it is driving on the damn roads. Were y'all out there driving at nighttime when you clip that damn deer? Yeah, you know what? Because... After I got off work, we we was on the highway. It was like gotta be like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Cause I worked and then yeah. Yeah, so I'm already just I wasn't tired, but you know, I was, you know, I was I was getting there. I was I was okay. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. y'all was dedicated and focused on getting back out there, man. <laughs> I should have had my high beams on. That's that's a lesson learned. And one thing that I did, I got one of those deer whistles. Oh, my car and I used to put on that too to alert them down things and get the fuck up out of my way. Okay, I didn't even know they had something like that. Yeah, definitely since we're gonna be coming out here, that'll definitely help. Mm-hmm. Are y'all gonna come back out there uh before the end of the year anymore? Yeah, so we gotta come back out next week because we try we don't have a fridge, so we gotta get a fridge and and 
and just a couple other stuff. And then then now that'll be it. And then we might just slide out here every other every other week. Oh, that's nice, man. That's now, nice. if it snows and you know, we're not gonna, you know, drive out here if it's snowing or you know, the, uh that black ice or if it's freezing or anything like that. So so yeah, so for right now, for the fall and we'll see how that winter look, but right now we'll probably come out here every other week. Y'all gonna definitely get some good use of that thing, man. Oh yes, sir, man. Just come out here and just sit and eat, and just decompress. <laughs> I showed you. I, I sent that picture to you. See, I was out there raking some leaves. <laughs> so I sent that picture to you. It's like, hey, man, I'm checking checking out the view while, while I'm working. I ain't gonna lie to you, man, because you that picture caught me. And I was in the midst of my work day, and I was all frustrated. And I saw it. And I was like, damn, that looked peaceful, man. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and when you talk about raking the leaves, there, I have to tell you, Jules. Uh, our fair and foul today is definitely about you and leaves because last week's episode, you talked about blowing and raking leaves into your neighbor's yard. So the audience, <laughs> they called foul on you, sir. Damn. <laughs> and I got to agree with them because I got a neighbor that does that. She's got a lawn service that comes. And I'm like, great. I love the fact that you got the lawn service that keeps your yard on point. But I had to tell a boy, I said, look, man, you blowing the leaves into my fucking yard, bro. And he's like looking at me. He's acting like he don't understand what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> no, nah, bro. I, I pointed to all the stuff that he's blowing in my yard. I'm like, you need to come get this out of here. So whatever he knows now, if he blows that shit into my yard, he comes in my yard and he blows it into the alley. I'm like, I ain't playing that. So foul on you, sir. <laughs> you know, I, I don't normally do that. I, I think it was just getting late and getting tired and just, you know, you had to blow out there and just go over that way. But but fans, normally I don't, I don't do that. It's just... One time, I was just hot, just trying to get that stuff over with. Uh, it's always that one time. <laughs> one time. <laughs> I got to go ask his neighbors. Next time I come over there, I'm like, is he an habitual yeah. leaf blower to your yard? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he does that because he's abusing his power in the neighborhood. He's that guy in that neighborhood. Jules is the bully of his block. I'm telling oh, you. Oh, man. <laughs> and he going to he gonna dare them to say something about it, too. I promise y'all, audience. I'm telling you. I'm stand, I'm stand behind you. Look at him, like give him like a, you know, saying the slit the throat uh, sign. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like y'all better not say nothing. <laughs> he gonna put the fist to the eye. Too. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, no, he's the best neighbor we ever had. Yeah. Damn right. <laughs> but he's great. Even if he does hit clip deers, he's fine. He's oh, great. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Bambi, then get in my way. She sure <laughs> did. She sure did. I hope Bambi's okay, man. I don't know. Did she scare her off? Hey, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, nothing wrong with that damn deer. Then they ran, <laughs> ran away. I'm sitting up there like, man, oh, my goodness. I tried to go around it. He didn't turn around and jump right into me. Like, oh. You tried, bro. You tried. You tried. Shit. I know you was mad as hell late at night and shit. You sit over here like, man, I got to deal with this shit right now. Man. Well, I was hot. You know, no. then the wife, wife called me down and, because I was going to come. I was like, fuck, I was like, forget it. We're going back home. <laughs> I heard what you said at first. You probably really felt like, this shit. <laughs> you know, she was like, she was like, well, how's the car? I said, well, well nothing's leaking and uh, we can make it on, you know, one headlight and, well, you know, so I calmed down and like, all right, we just cruise on and cruise on out here. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad y'all good, man. I'm glad y'all enjoying that. 
And definitely uh, enjoy the rest of your time over there, man. Let's get into these mailbag questions, my dude. Okay. So the first one comes over from Alvin from Robbins, Illinois. And Jules, he wants to know, do you think that Justin Fields has the potential to be a top five quarterback of all time? And I was going to say this, Alvin. Damn, you shot for the moon on that one. You know, I want to ask Alvin, how many blocks is in, is in Robbins? Robbins is like a, like a short, like a real small suburb. Very small. But the answer to the question is potential. He have all the potential in the world. <laughs> he, can be, he can be the top five quarterback of all time. It's all up to Justin Field right now and the people around him. I'm liking what I'm seeing now. Certain things, of course, this is his first year. Of course, he's going to have them growing pains, and he, but he's learning. And I feel and I hope since he's, you know, he's in, he's a Chicago Bear, that he will be <laughs> one of the greatest QB of all time, top five. But, you know, potentially, yeah, he got it in him. But it's all up to Justin to bring, bring that out. Yeah, Jules, when I saw this question, I kind of smiled because I was like, dude, I like Alvin where he's going with this top five territory. I mean, you know who's up there in that top five. You you, you talk oh, about yeah. your Brady's and your Manning's and mm-hmm. your, your Elway's yeah, yeah, and all Montana. the type of boys. Montana, mm-hmm. oh, God, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Breeze, maybe. You know, you got all kind of guys up in that type of territory. So when Alvin sent that question in, I was like, okay, Alvin, whatever you drinking on, man. <laughs> <laughs> that shit down for a second. <laughs> but I love the confidence because this is my thing to Jules's point. The kid's got the potential to do whatever he puts his mind to, but it's on him. Mm-hmm. And also to Jules's point, the people around him, the system that he's in, the players that he's surrounded with. So a lot of that type of stuff, it, ha- it matters. You look at the type of teammates that a Brady had or a Joe Montana had, they were in great situations to succeed. Yes, with this situation with Justin, what I will say is I think he's going to go down as the best quarterback in this particular draft class that he was in. And I think a lot of these teams that passed on him, he's going to make them fucking pay. You got to think about it. Trevor Lawrence, I don't think he's going to be better than Justin Fields when it's all said and done. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. I don't think any of those guys are going to be better than, than Justin Fields. And Jules, I even said this on DB. I said that I thought that Justin Fields was the second best quarterback in that draft class. And I had people telling me all kinds of shit. So we'll see. Mm. I kept mm-hmm. the receipts. And I'm petty like that, too. I will <laughs> He said I kept the receipts. All over the place. <laughs> but you know what that means? If he being the best means we're going we, we gonna to be winners. <laughs> right. So I'm praying that, that, you know, he'll develop and get people behind him to develop and bring it out of him and, and we go ahead and do this thing because uh, this season, we might as well. This season, watch. We might as well just get a girl for next year. This season's all about developing Justin Fields. Man. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, pretty much. But I tell you, man, he's got all the tools to be successful. Alvin, top five territory. I, I would love if that happens. But mm-hmm. right now, I just want to focus on him being <laughs> the best quarterback in Bears history. That's what I want to focus on. Man, I'm with you. I am with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question, man. I was just messing with you about the drink, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the next question comes over from Sharon from Hyde Park. And she wanted to know, fellas, why has the Chicago Police Union pushed so hard against the mm. vaccine mandate? Now, I'm going to say this before Jules gets in here. I told y'all I got a federal position at my company. And we were all mandated to take this vaccine. And we got it to December 8th to post that shit in that system or you're going to be looking for another fucking job. And we ain't got no union that's backing us up. So it's either you get that shot or you're done. Mm. So Jules, 
talk to him because I'm very curious to hear your position on this one, brother. Well, John, the FOP president, he fights for the police officers' rights. He was saying there are people who don't want to get the vaccine. And he's saying that the city shouldn't force the people to, to get something that they don't want to put in their bodies. Since he represents the department, he'll do whatever he can to, to fight and make sure that the city is not mandating anything that's illegal. It's been a long back and forth battle between him and Mayor Lightfoot. Me personally, I think it's some, some things where here is this is how he feels. And he's just putting it out like it's the whole, like this, the police department. Him and the mayor are going back and forth. And frankly, it's it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing because it's like, it's no getting around this thing. Eventually, everybody's going to have to get vaccinated. I mean, you might as well just... We delay an inevitable, right? I mean, pretty much. I, You know, I get vaccinated. I put my 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 thing in the um, portal, my status in the portal. I have no drama. You got officers that's going down to headquarters, getting stripped. And for what? I mean, you have you have lives. You have your family. You have mortgage. You got bills. You got responsibilities. People are leaning on you. Me, I don't, I don't get it. But I think it's a battle between John and Lightfoot and nobody's... I think John's blinded by his 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 I wouldn't say hatred, but maybe just not liking the mayor and just really want to try to stick it to her and do whatever he can to, to kind of, you know, go against this and and but it's making us all look bad. That's why I was curious to, when I saw this question come over, I was definitely curious to how you felt because I've had a lot of people kind of talk to me one off about this whole thing. And the one point that I've kind of made to a couple people is a lot of people don't realize that COVID has killed more police officers than gunfire since this pandemic has started. So I wonder why these union heads, these guys aren't looking at this thing and realizing, hey, we need to take this shit serious. Instead of talking our guys out of doing this stuff and telling them not to upload the, the stuff, why don't you protect your guys? Because to me, this is no different than wanting to protect your officers when they're on the streets, when they're dealing with civilians that are causing problems out here. So what's the difference? The thing is, there's people out here who just really don't want to get this this vaccine. But I think he shouldn't persuade, he should have, he should be unbiased to this. He should be where if there's something against the law of posting this in a portal because of HIPAA law, okay, mm-hmm. fine. If there's something against, you know, you're forced to get this or you're fired, but you're pr- protected by a union, okay, fine. If there's some legality in this, then I think that's when he he they should him and his department should step in. But if it's something, well, the mayor want to do this, but no, don't do this. Everybody just stick together. And it's like, wait, wait a minute. What, let's get the right information out here. And we can go from we can go from there. Yeah, man. And that's the my point, Jules. I think what it is is that you got a guy, and I'm just gonna call it a spade, a spade. You know, I've kind of had some words for him on the show in the past. Mm. I think this is a guy that's blinded by power. I think that he's got a personal vendetta against the mayor. They obviously don't have a good working relationship. Right. And he's doing this to make things hard on her. And I just wonder where that comes from. And I know you've had some conversations with me off air. You wish that the mayor would be in a little bit different with the way that she mm-hmm. handled certain situations. So what it seems like to me is these sides need to sit down if they're capable of sitting down and finding out some common ground here. Because like you said, this don't look good from the police point of view, but it also don't look good from City Hall. 
I think right. they all look bad. No, dude, that is the biggest thing. I've been, I've been screaming for the longest. Dude, <laughs> we are all grown. Two people can't come. Let's meet at this place at this time and over a meal and and, and discuss this. Everybody wants the same. Everybody wants what's best for for the city, for the for the people, for the police, or whatever the case may be. That that's it. A common ground. That's you would hope, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it should be simple. But I, you know, I guess when you have people in these positions and bullheaded and stubborn and don't want to bend or nothing like that, then this is what you have. And it's like now we're bringing in courts and things is in arbitration, and you get until the, well, it was the thirty first of uh, of December. You had to be vaccinated or you'll, you'll be fired, but that's the, the judge's rule against that. And I mean, this thing been going on for way too long. And there's other things that need to be taken serious, need to be focused on. Now, Thank this right here. Thank you, know, you this, Thank I mean, you, this Jules. Right we take it up. Now, listen to that. We take it up court docket time for this. Right. <laughs> we should be using that time for people that need to be locked up or different people that have disputes. That stuff needs to be before these judges. Not this, man. Right, right. Come on. But now you make a a valid point because I've told you that I have family members, friends that haven't gotten vaccinated for various reasons. I'm not going to get into that. Mm -hmm. Everyone has their reasons for why they decide to do it, not to do it. That's not where I'm at on this part of the conversation. Where I'm at is the fact that if the mayor says this is what needs to be, what needs to happen, then that's what needs to happen. So let's figure it out, get it done, whatever. Now, you did bring up some points around the fact that you guys are unionized. So I wondered about the fact that when there are workforce changes that happen, I thought that sometimes you do have to work with the union and have negotiations about that sort of thing. So I'm wondering if that's kind of where John is coming from or if he's just coming from a place of, no, we just not having this shit, and we gonna push back. So I don't know, but when I'm just saying on the outside looking in, Jules, it's just not a good look. It's not, and then John said that he tried to get a meeting with the mayor, but mayor don't want to talk to him. So you know, I can see why she. I can probably say on there that she doesn't doesn't like John, and vice versa. I mean, but it ain't no but, secret. You can tell right. both sides. <laughs> but we, we need to put that aside. That's the thing. We need to put that aside and, and really come together. They need to put it aside and come together and, and have a serious conversation. No, Whatever okay. they had to do, they had to get into a ring or something or <laughs> arm wrestle. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, we need to put this thing to rest because it's 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 way, this is way overdue. And it's not just Chicago. It's other big cities, the police unions are doing this, man. I think they just need to realize COVID is not going anywhere. It's killing their officers. They need to protect their offices just as much as my company is trying to protect mm-hmm. its employees. Because at mm-hmm. some point, they're going to want everybody to come back into the office and work, right? Right. It's like you said, we delay the inevitable. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And and just just I just want to say, seventy five seventy five percent officers had, are vaccinated and they put in their their status in the um, portal. Oh, that's good. So that, I didn't so, realize it was that high. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, according to the according to the figures, you know, according to the figures, but what I read. Well, shit, that's better than what I thought. I thought it was a little lower than that when I was hearing them guys going down there and and turning their badges. I'm like, (laughs) that deep? (laughs) Hey, man, it was an easy decision for me. Like, well, okay. (laughs) Anytime they tell you, hey, Prairie, what you going? I mean, what you going to do? It's about well, if you don't get this, you're you're stripped, you're fired. Hey, well, well, okay, it's easy decision. 
Yeah, I'm like, I ain't about to lose my pension over no shot. Here, where, where's it going to go? Right. Left arm, right arm. What we got? Oh, so you can be like, give me one of them cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> just, just take me to lunch first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, the next question is from Lawrence from Fort Myers, Florida. And Jules, he wanted to know. What are you guys' thoughts on the Jake Paul and Clarissa Shields feud? And audience, if you're not familiar with this, Jake Paul are now called out Clarissa Fields. Called yeah. her Dude, what is, who is Jake Paul? I mean, come on, man. A troll. I mean, dude, all right. He made his fortune with on YouTube. I don't know. I don't know nothing about him until you start challenging people to fight. That, and jumping yeah. the lines, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't and then when you know Clarissa, she 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 fought her second match against Ab- uh she fought her second MMA match against Abigail uh, Montez and Law, and then he gonna call her a loser, a fake, like dude, who are you? No shit, because at least she's a pro in her sport. She's right. one of the best in the game, and what she did, and on top of it, at least she went into the MMA ring with an actual fighter. Right, Jay Paul, you ain't fought nobody, bro. Exactly. Him and him and Floyd down even count, man. Well, that was that was Logan. Jake was the oh, one that fought Jake Robinson. Right, that's right. Yeah. Jesus. He Christ. fought the dude from who's at Askren, and then he fought your boy Will. That's yeah, what he Tony fought. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, there's brothers, two of them. I always get them confused. Yeah, I don't like that because she's doing something different. Now it's not like she started off in MMA. She was a boxer and she went over to MMA. That's completely different. Now you incorporate the elbows and knees and Completely different um, discipline than, than just boxing. And she trying. You don't call nobody no loser for trying. No, you don't call her no, no, no damn loser, first and foremost. And for me, as a black man, seeing somebody from the other side of the fence calling one of our black women a loser, I feel some kind of way about that. So yeah. I feel yeah, like more yeah, right. I feel like more of these brothers in the boxing game, y'all need to stand up and step up for this young lady because this dude. Should not be calling her no goddamn loser. He's a uh, fucking loser. I'm sorry. No, no, that woman right. right there is a champion, and I give her respect because, like Jules said, she went out of the sport that she was dominant in to go take another risk. What I tell you, Jules, on the last episode, don't be complacent. Take risks. Right, take calculated right. risks. That's mm-hmm. what she's doing. She's training and going in under. She went in under Montez. That was a tough matchup, and it ain't like she got knocked out. It was a split decision. Which meant one of the judges thought that she wanted to fucking play. Right. Mm-hmm. So what are you talking about? I don't know if that's just doing stuff for the clicks, the likes, or the dislikes, or just Probably. being, you know, because I don't even make any sense. But Prez, you're right. I hope we get an actual boxer to come and challenge this punk and like, hey, listen, you bring you and your brother and give both of them a beat. Because I don't like you on them. I mean, come on, man. In the trash the trash the sport of fighting a boxer. They had made it a joke. Why don't you get in there with Javante? You think you're so fucking bad? Right. Find a real fighter. Man, you know, get you, your brother, and the Chalo brothers. They, they, we'll watch that. I'll, I'll pay for that. Shit, I say get in there with Adrian Bronner. And you know, yeah. Adrian Bronner fell off, but I bet Adrian Bronner whooped his ass. Yeah. Jake Paul. Who the? Who is Jake Paul? I ain't like that shit worth a damn. That's all I'm no. going to say. No, Lord, that's, that's, I'm no. glad you asked that question because you got me fired up. Fuck Jake Paul. Motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of the motherfuckers, man. They are making a joke out of boxing. It's a joke because of them. Because they came in here because, like you said earlier, they were YouTube famous. Cool. I'm I'm happy. I mm-hmm. love content creators. 
But now you want to sit over here and come into another sport, and now you're making a mockery out of it. Now you're going after people that are legends in their sport just because you want to get some uh, some clickbait. You want to get some clout. Yeah, clout. Yeah. yeah. That's all this shit is. Fuck out of here, man. No, he, he definitely needs to apologize on that one, man. But I'll tell you one thing, all this, and I respect all you guys' questions. I don't want to get any more questions about the Paul brothers. Fuck them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right, Jules, the last question before we get into our episode today is from Danielle from Macon, Georgia. And she wanted okay. to know, Make what is one thing about the world you wish you could change? Oh, man. I saw this question. I started smiling. What I wish about the world, I wish the world was closer. So I won't have to travel as much to get to these different continents and countries like okay. Australia and in Europe and Africa and South America. I wish everything was closer because I'm not, I'm not the type of person. I don't like flying a long period of time. So if, if you just want to, you just want to teleport. <laughs> oh man. If we can, it man, if we can make that happen, boldly go where, you know, <laughs> like Star Trek, I can just teleport to one spot and just reappear in, 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 in Spain somewhere, man, that'll be perfect. So let me ask you, I'm going to get off topic real quick. Now you see all these people, they going out to space. Would uh-huh. you go out to space if, uh, if, you, if, if you were offered the chance to do that? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can go on a plane. I don't have a problem. But space, that's a totally different uh, um, destination right there, man. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I was just curious when you said that. It's because I would not either, man. You already know I, I have problems. And as much as I travel, you know, I'm all over the place. I what? still cannot stand flying. I got agoraphobia, man. So it gets me all clammy and I have to take pills and stuff before I get on the plane. Okay. So got you. I can only imagine if I'm on some damn space shuttle and it's even more confined than the airplane is. And then I heard what it take, like, what, 20 minutes? 20, the rockets take 20 minutes to get to space? Yeah, that's what I heard. Something like that, less than a half hour. Man, you moving. Yeah. Uh uh-uh, uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> And on top of that, I don't even like roller coasters, so fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, nah, I'll be down there looking up. <laughs> yeah, I'll like, see you when you get back. Yeah, Godspeed. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Godspeed with the Vulcan sign. <laughs> <laughs> so, Daniel, for me, I had two. The first one is I just think that. We should make education affordable and, and accessible to all people, not just people that have money. So that'd be the okay. first thing. I want equal right. education for everyone. And the second thing is, I would change the lack of empathy that's in this world right now. A lot of times you look at it and you see people that are struggling, they're dealing with certain things, and you'll have people that say, oh, well, they should figure that out. That's not my problem. They, mm-hmm. they need to do this. Or they need to do that. But we don't know people's predicaments. Like this mm-hmm. week, I saw something where the CEO of McDonald's, he had some text messages that he sent the mayor and they somehow got out. Of, you know how that shit goes. But in those text messages, he was blaming the parents of the kid, Adam Toledo, and also the young lady, Jaslyn Adams, that were killed over the summer. He blamed that on the parents and said that the parents were the reason why those kids were in those predicaments. And for me, that's a lack of empathy in that situation because I look at it like this. I don't think that all parents that lose kids to gun violence are bad parents. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some that are because there's some parents that are in the life like that. But I grew up in a single mother household. 
My mom worked multiple jobs. A lot of times, man, I was kind of fending for the household, making sure, you know, warming up food, making sure I did my homework, making sure my brother did his homework. You don't know people's situations. So, you know, to judge and not have empathy for people, I don't like that shit, man. It's just too much judgmental shit going on, especially in the tenor of what we're doing in the episode today, Jules, because we're talking about people right now that are in dark places. Now we got the season changing. I was complaining about the fact that six o'clock come up and it's dark again. I'm like, man, fuck, I hate this shit. You know what I mean? We got to be more empathetic towards people because people are struggling. And a lot of times, some people, man, they struggle in silence, Jules. So I just think that if I could change something about the world, it would just make people more empathetic towards other people and care about the person next to you. Man, you came up with a great one. I'm over here talking about some making the world closer so I can get to these places sooner. You come with some with some with some good ones that change the world stuff, which we need. The world is just much, much mean and it's nasty and people don't care about you know, you know, you got people out there that don't care about about others and and, and that's a good one. That's and that's what we need. We pretty much we just need love in this world. Have people just love each other like they love, like they want to love like they love themselves. So in the spirit of today's episode, we're gonna be talking about people working themselves through being within a dark space. So, audience, just by definition, when I think about what this means, I think this is a place where people feel helpless. And certain times when I've been in a dark place personally, I felt like all the days kind of just blended together. I'd be sitting there, I'm like, what's what's today? Oh, shit, it's Friday? Like, didn't even know, right? Because it's just like, every day was monotonous. I was just in this, like, point of just like, everything was just kind of just all happening. And I'm just kind of like, instead of living life, life was just kind of right. Passing me by for a lack of better words, you know? But then you also get to a point where you're in these dark places that you're kind of indifferent about life and you're not really caring about anything one way or the other. So, on this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to share some of our own struggles and stories when it comes to being in a dark place, but then how we got out of that, but then also share some other tips, some other things that we think people can do to get out of a dark place. So, I'm going to kick this off, Jules. I'm going to share a story that occurred for me back in 2009. The company that I worked at at the time had just had a massive layoff. They laid off 45% of the staff. I mean, it was it was awful. It, it was one of those situations where the night before the layoffs happened, there was like internet rumors that were going on that CareerBuild was going to do a massive layoff. And so I remember I called my director up at the time because I was real friendly with him. And I'm like, hey, do you see the stuff that's going on these blogs? Now, this is back in his day when everything was on those blogs. And he was like, oh, no, man. He said, that's just somebody that's trying to get some attention. Don't even worry about it. I'm like, cool. Man, tell me, Jules, why I get in the office, 9 o'clock in the morning, I got an email. It's telling me, hey, uh, there's a mandatory manager's meeting to come downstairs. It's like in 15 minutes. I get down here in this meeting, and the VP's over here telling this story about 20 years ago in his career, when he worked at a company and how they had a, a layoff and how it changed the trajectory of his career. And I'm sitting around looking in the room around all these people. And I'm like, the fuck's happening to him? This, what, what's going on up here? All I'm thinking about mm. is, hey, I got a family to support. What are we, what are we talking about? So then he says in his next sentence, there is going to be a layoff today. And they're like, hey, there's going to be two groups of people. The group of people that are going to be impacted, they're going to get one email. And there's going to be a second group of people that are staying, they're going to get a separate email. So they're going to be told to go to one location of the building, and the people that are going to get let go, they're going to be going to the basement part of the building. It was the most heartless, cold shit I've mm. ever seen in my life. Wow. Now, 
if that wasn't enough. Now, I was fortunate. I had a really good team, successful team. I didn't lose anybody off of my team. But there were some really great people. And I'm not even just talking about work-wise, just great people in general. They got let go. What they wanted managers to do, and Jules, you know my personality. If I don't want to do something, and if I don't think it's the right thing to do, I'm not doing it. So they looked at pretty much all the men or people that they thought were like authoritative, and they're like, hey, you guys stay behind. And they're like, hey, we want you guys to be floor marshals. So when these people come back from their meetings, don't let them linger around at their desk. Don't let them take any of their personal items. They just need to get out of the building. I looked at the VP. This guy, former football player, 6'8", big-ass dude. And everybody was like, okay, cool. Just let us know where we need to be posted up at. And I said, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Flat out. Mm-hmm. And he was like, excuse me? I said, I'm not doing it. I was like, so I'm, I'm, if, if you need me to go to my meeting and do what I need to do there, that's fine. That's one thing. I said, but my job title does not have anything to do with being a floor marshal, being security, and in a situation where people are going to be distraught and upset. I don't want any parts of that. So when it all was happening, I sat at my desk and I worked through all that was going on. I'm like, I'm not going to be telling people that they need to be leaving. There's people that's crying. Like, I want the picture. Those are pictures of my kids at their desk. That's what I want. I can't get a picture of my kid from my desk. And these people are telling like, no, we'll ship everything to you. I just thought it was heartless. It was a heartless situation. Now, the part that really gets real for me is the fact that now you have to think about it. I just told you guys that they laid off damn near half the company. This was in multiple locations. I was in Chicago, but the Atlanta office, the Scottsdale office, the office out in California, they all were stripped down. So, I mean, we were running really lean, which means, guess what? There was more work and responsibility that was put on us. So we were doing double the work and not getting double the money, obviously. I went from having a balanced life, working my 40 hours, going home, being able to hang out with my friends and family, everything was cool. So now I'm working 60, 65 hours a week. I did this for over a year and a half. But I did that, didn't complain about it. I was the good soldier. You know, they always say, you Jules, be a team player. Well, if you looked at that definition in the book, you saw a picture of my ass sitting there smiling. I was that guy at that time. Whatever they needed me to do, besides ushering people out of the building, I was doing that. So I hit rock bottom with that, though. I was making money. I was living life pretty comfortably, but I wasn't connecting with my family and friends. I wasn't really seeing people because by the time I was getting out of the office, it's nine, 10 o'clock. All I'm doing is ready to go to bed, to do it all over again the next day. So I was running on empty. Remember on the last episode, how I talked about, hey, your energy, right? That What should that gas tank look like? And I always talk about now, I try to keep that thing full with positivity and positive thoughts. Well, during that time, I wasn't really having all the type of positive thoughts because all I was doing was running myself into the ground. So the thing that really, really hit and impacted me, Jules, was the fact that they did a president's club every year in my company. I always made it on president's club. I always had top numbers. It was it was great. But however, this particular year, they didn't do it based off of numbers. They did it by nomination. And they nominated two managers across the group. Now, I'm not going to say that I sat up here and assumed that something was going to happen, but you would think that if somebody's got good numbers, they're taking on more people. Like, I was managing 20 fucking people at the time. That's unheard of. Oh, wow. So I took on additional people. I took on additional responsibility and put up numbers, put in all those type of uh, hours in the office, and I was not nominated for this president club trip. Now I'm Mm. seeing up here, and I'm looking at the people that were nominated. They're the kiss asses. They're the people that are the brown noses. I've never been about that. 
I don't care about standing by people's offices and asking them how their weekend is. I don't. I really don't care. I'm here to do my job and keep it moving. Now, the President's Club, what that means is it's a bump in pay, but also you get to go on a trip. Now, that trip is usually to a very nice destination. That was the only time I never got to go on that President's Club. Now, audience, I'm going to tell you, for me, I'm a man of principle. It was less about being able to go on that trip, but it was more that I felt like all the work that I put in over that mm-hmm. 18 months mm-hmm. wasn't appreciated. And it made me wonder, like, well, what was the point of all that? So it really put me into a dark place. So I went to go see that VP, the one that I told you that I told him I wasn't ushering people off the floor. And I wondered in my mind, did it have anything to do with the fact that I openly told him that I wasn't going to do that? So I asked him, I said, I've done everything at this company, all your values that you have on these walls, your pillars, every one of them. I could tell you something that I do to better than anybody out here on this sales floor. So I was like, so how is it that I'm not one of the two best in this in this org? And he didn't have anything to tell me. He knew that it was bullshit. He was like, hey, it wasn't my decision. It wasn't my call. You know, I put that on the director. The director, you know, he should be able to do X, Y, Z. He gave me all these empty platitudes and a pat on the back and gives me a book and tells me, go get them next time. I looked at him and I said, you know what? I haven't taken a day off in 18 months. I have seven weeks of PTO. I'm about to use a whole month of it right now. I don't care what needs to happen as far as a backup is concerned. I'm taking a month off and you guys are going to approve it. So what I did, Jules, because I knew I was on empty. I was angry. I was furious. I was overworked and I felt underappreciated. I wasn't in a good place mentally. So I put in the hat 10 different countries that I had never been to in my life. Put them in a hat, shook up the hat, reached my hand in the hat, pulled out a place. And I said, whichever place I pull out, that's where I'm going to visit. So I pulled out the hat Germany. So I flew to Germany. Oh, wow. I stayed in Germany for three weeks. I stayed in a hostel in different parts. I went all over Germany. I visited six different cities. I backpacked. I got off the grid. No laptop, no cell phone. All I had was a backpack most days, snacks, water, and my iPod. Good playlist. And I was just out there just clearing my head. And it's really just reconnecting with myself. And so for me, in that situation, that was some of the best things that I could do, man. I, it was great having that peace, getting off the grid, just really having that time to unplug, totally unplug. And it was an amazing experience. And it pulled me out of that dark place. And I would just say this. When I came back into the office that next month, I was a different person for it. Not even just at work, but just in my, in my personal life. I came back, I was recharged, and I, I had a better mindset. And you know, last week how we talked about mastering your mindset. That's kind of where, for me, that kind of reset for me. And I did start to focus more on things that were putting me in a better headspace and not putting myself through a situation like I did during those 18 months when I ran myself ragged and ran myself wrong. So I just wanted to share that with the artists because I know that there's people out here that are like, Man, I'm right now I'm doing all this work because we're all working from home right now. My company, they keep throwing these different projects on me. So listen, anybody out there and you heard my story, please just make sure that you're taking care of yourself. It's okay to tell someone no that I can't take on this project. If you have a bunch of time off, take a couple of days off. The work is going to be there when you get back. You got to prioritize you over your work. Oh man, that's dope, Press. How was you looking at them when they asked you to? be security guard with these people who's getting let go. 
I, I bet you they looked at your face when you told that old boy no. I bet you had that look on your face like, like brother, you seriously, you seriously get a uh, going to ask me that, and 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 these people are losing their jobs. Yeah, I mean, I just uh, looked. I mean, I looked at him pretty matter of factly, right in his eyes. Told him no. But I think the bigger thing that was for me was the disrespect of finding out that they thought that there were two people that were more deserving of something, and I busted my ass. And literally, those two people that won half the time they weren't even available to their people. They weren't. They didn't have twenty people reporting to them. So in both situations, I was looking at those folks like they was crazy. So for me. It just made me realize what I would never do again. And what I will never do again, I don't give a fuck what company it is, what job opportunity it is. I'm never going to give them more than what they're giving me. If I'm going to put my all into something, it's going to be for my very own thing. And that's what I'm doing now. We're building this media network that we're doing, that is where I'm putting my attention to. That's where I'm putting that 150% of grind behind. No company is ever going to get that shit from me again. No, and that's fair. And that's fair. Because it shows you where you bust your ass and make the company look good. And you don't want much. You just want, hey, I just want to be recognized. That's all. That's right. That's and I think all. a lot of and a lot of people got to realize, too, that if you ain't the CEO, if you ain't on that executive board, then you really, you're just a cog in the wheel. And they can replace you at any time. So Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing. We work for somebody else. So, yeah. Man, Prez, I got, I have one that started. When I was younger, I was, I won't say the fourth grade. Okay. I wasn't doing well in school. My parents was busy at work trying to pay the, pay the bills and take care of all of us, you know, two other brothers. And I felt behind. And at the end of the school year, the principal come to each grade. And she came to my grade, her and also a uh, father. And they was passing out the report cards. He was telling everybody, she was telling, you know, they was telling everybody, you know, uh, congratulations, see you next year, congratulations, see you next year. I get mine, and they said, have a great summer. So I was like, oh, okay. So I sat back in my seat, looked at it, and it said, you failed fourth grade, and you had to repeat it. I didn't know what to, I was, I was messed up. Because that means I'm leaving. My friends are going ahead and I'm staying behind. Uh, I couldn't tell nobody. I was embarrassed to tell anybody about my grades. And because I knew at that time, prayers when in the school, when you're coming up, kids like to ride on you. They like to poke fun and yep. like to mess with you. And, it, it, and I didn't want, I, I, you know, at that, I couldn't handle that. I couldn't handle it. So I had to play it off and say, man, uh, hey, cool, man, you know. See, then we go into the fifth grade. We're going to see you next year. We're going to have a great summer and, you know, play it off. Well, at the end of the school, on my way home, I was just, just bumped out. Went home. My parents already knew because I guess there were some things, some paperwork they had to sign. And so they already knew. But the whole summer, I couldn't enjoy myself because I knew that when school start, I'd be repeating the fourth grade with a, with a whole other set of different, different kids. And the ones that I grew, that I knew from kindergarten to fourth grade is going on, and I'm stuck here. So I was at a dark place. I was at a dark place at an early age. I want to say it was 10 or 9 years old or something like that. And I forgot, forgot. I didn't know what to do. I mean, uh, I mean, what can you do? You just got to keep, keep moving. You got to keep moving. You got to keep, 
keep going. Uh, so school year started. I went to school and guess what, Press? Kids was talking about me. Sure. They was calling me dumb. They was laughing. And it hurt because nine years old and you got kids calling you dumb and stupid and oh, you can't pass this, you know, can't pass fourth grade, you repeat. And then the ones that was my friends was laughing at me, you know, laughing at me too when I walked, when I walked past. Or probably behind your back and shit. Yeah. 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 That's, so that's fucked up. So what what I have to do is I just I made new friends as as school year went on, I started you know, saying defend myself and start talking back. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't get into any fights, but you know, say my mouth got sharp. There you go. You know, stand up for myself in that way. You know, when I see the other kids that went on, you know, start japping with them. Eventually, all that stuff went away. I made new friends. The friends I went to, the friends I went to fifth grade, I was still cool with them. I was doing better in my schoolwork. And and everything just worked out. And it worked out to a point where I met a best friend of mine. I haven't talked to in years, but you know how stuff goes, man. Life yep. week. But in that time, we was hanging tough. Mm-hmm. And and it was fun. You're playing ball and you know, talking stuff and having fun and and just it everything worked out for the best. It it worked out better than I would think if I would have went into the fifth grade. So God have, you know what I'm saying, you don't know what he's doing, but you can't understand it. But eventually you'll be like, man, stuff happened for a reason. And and with that, I think it made me, it made me a better person eventually. Made me a better person. Yeah, you know what, Jules? I, I took a couple of things from that. First thing that I want to say is shout out to your parents, because the easy thing they could have done in that situation is pulled you out of that school and, and put you into a different school. But what they did is they made you face. The heat. I think that that's great parenting because you, I'm just going to be honest, you didn't do what you needed to do in fourth grade. And you learned from that. And you knew you didn't want to put yourself in that situation again. The second thing that I learned from that story hearing you talk about that is the fact that you got mentally tougher. You were giving it right back to those fucking bastard kids, right? Then the third thing, you never looked back. You did what you needed to do and you found your new wolf pack. You found another crew of people that you was rocking with. Yeah. So it worked out. It worked out, man. It and 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 with that story, man, it's just I just want to tell people and let people know, man, no matter what situation you're going through, it's, it's going to work out. But man, what we talked about last week, when we talked about mindset, my mindset had changed. <laughs> it had changed. It, it went from, you know, damn, people talking about me. It went from that to, oh, okay, I gave it back to them. And then it was like, damn, okay, you know, this dude, you know, can squabble or whatever, you know. So <laughs> it made more friends and newer friends, and and it just and it just worked out, man. It was, you know, at first I looked at it and I didn't know what would happen. I was, man, prayers. Just think about it, man. I was just, just in, in, just embarrassed. And you're right, I didn't, I didn't do what I needed to do to uh, to go to go on the next level. But from there. I shaped up and and just worked out, man. And that's all you could do. And, and that's one of the things too, Jules, and thanks for sharing that with the audience because I, I want to encourage any of our younger listeners, you hear Jules' story there. Don't give up. Don't quit. You're going to probably face some adversity similar to that or something like that. Hey, 
Don't run from the grind. Embrace that shit. Do what you need to do. Now, since we're on this subject, Jules, I do want to talk through signs of people that we may know in our everyday lives that may be in a dark place. I'm one of those people, and I've told you this, Jules, I'd like to check in on my friends, even if I know, like, okay, man, I ain't talked to such and such in a couple weeks. Man, let me just pop in real quick and see what's going on. Because mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that people know that I'm always in their corner, no matter how busy I am. I'm going to pop in one way or the other. And one of my really good friends, I noticed, I'm like, man, I ain't talked to him in a little while. Let me hit him up. So I did that, Jules. Then I'm talking to him, and he was different. The normal things that we talk about that brings him joy, you know, he's a big-time sports fan. He loves boxing. I'm talking to him about the Wilder fight, and he was indifferent about it. Mm. I, was, I was thinking, like, man, I wonder what's up with dude. So I say, man, I'm like, you know what? Instead of picking up the phone and, and having a conversation, I was like, hey, man, um, Thursday, let's watch some Monday Night Football. Let's, let's hang out. So then we sat down and had a conversation, and I found out, man, dude was in a major rut. He's dealing with some financial woes. You know, he's got some student loan payments that it came back due again. He's in trouble with his home. So he was in a real dark place with that kind of stuff. And not that I loaned him any money, but I was there to sit there, have a conversation with him, give him a good word. I even gave him some advice and some things that he could do to contact some organizations that could help him out, which he was able to get a couple of extensions. He got 90-day extension on his mortgage situation and also okay. the student loan situation was able to get figured out as well. But oh, the point of saying that, though, audience is check on those people around you because you never know what people are dealing with some stuff. Because I noticed that he was different. And that you got to think about it. If he's in a financial ruins and he's getting ready to lose his house, he definitely don't give a fuck about no Deontay Wilder Fury fight. I understand <laughs> now why he was a little, why he was a little different. But that's the thing. We sometimes got to get out of our own world and our own problems and, and think about other people because you got somebody over here that's in silence, ain't saying shit. That person probably is going through all kinds of trials and tribulations that you never know about because you're not taking time to see what's good with them. You also see, Jules, and we talk about this, the toxicity on social media. But when I used to be on Facebook, you know, there were people that they would be doing some weird shit on social media, posting weird pictures, posting weird posts late at night. A lot of times that shit be crying for help. And people be sitting there laughing like, oh, such and such got drunk last night. And I'm like, oh, no, man, you might want to hit them up because that might be some other shit. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you all see that kind of stuff that happens out there. Instead of assuming, sometimes it's good to just kind of see what's going on, Jules. Oh, no, dude, you're absolutely right, especially now more than ever, where the social media can reach far more people. And then so it can reach far more people. You get people that can chime in and have far more verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's how people get into this funk and and other stuff. Other stuff could potentially happen. But you hit, hit it right on the head when you say you can tell when something's not right or something don't look right or or you read something it's like. Okay, that's something's up. Text back, holler back. Hey, everything good? You know, just to check, because because Prince, we get that on, on at work. We get that a few times where somebody puts some, something on social media saying they don't feel good, they don't feel like living today, and somebody will call and say, "Hey, can you do a well-being check?" You know, that's all. That's all it takes. Just pick up a phone or hit back, uh, type back on the computer and, and check on that person because. Like we were just saying, our experiences, what happened if we didn't have a different mindset 
Mm-hmm. And we let that, and we let that, whatever situation is, get us down. Where would we have been at? How would that change our lives for you know today? Because I'm a different person from when I was Dude. in that dark space. And the same with you from the yeah. Mm-hmm. What happened when we went the other way? So, but you have people out there that they go the other way. Yeah, they keep so, going down that path. Right. Yeah. So, man, it's it's important that it's important that we look out for one another. People actually need help, truly need help out here. And mm-hmm. if you're the type of person that can that can do it, that can help help that person, man, just do it, man. I think that's why God put us in this world to help people. No, that's that's total facts there. Now, Jules, before we get out of here. Now, you shared your story. I shared my story. Now, there may be some people out there that are kind of, maybe they're dealing with some of these feelings and and they don't know how to get themselves out of this dark place. Mm -hmm. So I want to just give a couple of things that I do when I occasionally kind of feel like myself lulling a little bit. It doesn't happen as often as it it did back then, but you guys know, I, I don't really deal with social media that much. I only do it for the business stuff. But even still, sometimes when... I'm still feeling like, ugh, like the world's a little crazy right now. I take a little break from even the social media on the business side of things because sometimes some of that shit that people are doing out there, it'll seep in and you see that shit and then now it's got your mindset all fucked up. So that's one of the things that I do. Jules and I, he, we he, we joke back and forth about the gym. Oh, a big part of the reason why I bulked up the way I did is because that's my way of kind of getting out of that dark place and putting my energy into something, into myself. You know, as, as opposed to doing something that's unhealthy. When I'm hitting mm-hmm. them iron, that's doing something that's making me feel better, but it's also physically making me fit. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like an example of some things that I'll do there, man, to get out of a dark place. If it, it kind of if it kind of starts to creep up a little bit. Prez, I mean, we think the same. The gym most definitely is part of the one, the first thing I would do to to get out of any type of little run uh, I'm going through. A lot of officers like to go to the bars and drink. I don't drink. Um, the gym is where I'm at, or I listen to a motivational speech, something positive. Mm-hmm. I have to get my mind off of it. And so the gym is good. I'm not as swole as prayers, but the gym is, the gym <laughs> is good. <laughs> Talking with my wife is good. My mom, my dad, I tell them about it. And just hearing that, that wisdom from them helps out. Mm-hmm. It helps out big time because they've been through. So like I say, talk to my wife. She always helps you spiritual, sound, and give me great advice. And um, man, let's listen to some positive, like the motivational speakers. Just some positive. If, they, if you go on uh, uh, YouTube and pull up, they have anything for mental, for depression, for, for mm-hmm. uplifting. Just type it in and you just start listening. And, and just, you can clean the house and listen to it or sit back and just listen to it. Man, that's that's you, you know that's 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 how I do it, man. I think that's huge, especially when you talked about the cleaning the house. Now that's another thing I forgot <laughs> to talk about. I'll do a hand, I'll do a hand wax and wash of my vehicle sometimes, and I'll put on music and I'll just be out there for an hour, and mm-hmm. I'm just like meticulous with that thing. But that's another thing that I do just to kind of take my mind off of some other shit. So I just try to put my my mindset in an area where I'm doing something positive doing something that's going to put me in a better mindset. Because like you said, you talked about some of them offices. It's easier to sit at a bar stool and get fucked up. Mm-hmm. Well, tomorrow, 
that shit's still gonna be there. You still yeah. gonna feel the same way. And now you got a nasty hangover. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now you got another problem. <laughs> and then drinking is expensive. <laughs> yeah, it is. It sure is, man. It sure is. I tell you, that's one of the things though during the pandemic. Because remember during the pandemic, you couldn't go anywhere. So all I was doing was running. I couldn't even go to the gym. And so oh, right, right. I saved so much money because you know I like to go out. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I got all this extra money. So I had so much money saved and stashed during, during the early parts of the pandemic. But now, shit, I've been traveling. That money gone. He said, it's depleted, man. Got re up now. Got re up. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, but that's cool. Hey, listen. I, man, who, I was talking to somebody. I said, man, you living, you working hard, man. You deserve to go out and out there, have some fun, man, and, and spend a little dough. So, yeah. So, hey, hey, Prez, I know you putting in major long hours and, and working hard. So, yeah, definitely. When it get a chance, man, go on out there, let your head down, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know I will. <laughs> My audience, but we really wanted to open up and tell you guys a little bit more about our own struggles that we had in the past and how we were able to get out of those struggles. But then also, we know that there's some people that are listening to this show and there may be some things that are going on in your life because nobody's life is perfect. We all have things that we're going through. We all handle things differently. But just don't be afraid that if you can't figure it out on your own, reach out to somebody, whether it's a friend or family. And if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to them, then reach out to a professional. I promise you that it's somebody in your life that cares. They just don't know what's going on with you. They care. They want to know. They would much rather know than not know. I'm going to end the show with a quick quote that I have hanging up here in my office. It goes like this. The world suffers a lot, not because of the violence of bad people, but because of the silence of good people. Let that sink in, and we'll holler at y'all next week. Jules, go and hit up with that curtain call, bro. Perez, this curtain call goes out to the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. They collaborated on a project called Book of Joy. This book provided an inside look at a week the two world were now spiritual leaders spent together back in 2015. It serves like a daily dose of meditation and is perhaps one of the best reading out there to help people find joy in simple things of life. Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu, Pres Nine, Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast family, appreciate all your hard work. Jules, thanks for that curtain call. As always, you can find this podcast on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Deezer, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate your continued support of the show. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace.